0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Great, thank you Judith. I thought it was going to be much worse than that, so I think I got away with that fairly lightly. Uh, I just feel like it's a bit cold in here. Do you think it's a bit cold? So just stand up briefly, rub your fingers together, wiggle your toes. Um, we just need a warm-up, don't we? Good. You warm? There will be coffee afterwards. That will really warm you up again. Let's, um, let's push into what God's got for us this morning. Grab a seat and we'll crack on. Um, so here we are. It is 2017 and it is the year of adventure. And those of you who know the sort of thing I do for hobby can probably imagine how excited I was uh, when I heard about that theme. And I presumed we'd all need to take our magnet somewhere like this, this image that Sim showed a couple of weeks ago. Just to clarify, um, that is definitely not Snowden. Well done those of you who spotted it. It is definitely Everest. Um, and I did 100% fabricate that image. And, but as I've thought about this theme more, this year of adventure, I've realised that it's about something so much more exciting even than this. It's about rekindling adventurous faith in our daily lives, isn't it? In fact, here's our first photo with the magnet. <laughs> Last weekend we were a bit naughty. We missed church. Sorry, Gavin. In order to help my cousin out on the family farm during lambing time. Why? Because Maddie and I want to step out into adventure and we believe that our words and our actions God can use to change the eternal destiny of our family. That is an adventure, isn't it? And as a leadership team, we are praying that 2017 is going to be a line in the sand. The year where we stop just reading God's word and we start taking God at His word. The year that Last year's ceiling becomes this year's floor. There will be no more mundane, like Sim said. We will take risks on unlikely people, like Gavin said. We will reverse the economy of life. And as you can tell, I, for one, am really excited about this theme. Are you excited? Let's do it. And so two weeks ago, Sim started by sharing the resounding call that echoes through the whole Bible, beckoning each of us to follow God into an adventurous faith. God created us for adventure. And when we open the Bible, we find regular fishermen putting down everything that's familiar to them in order to follow Jesus. Small boys hurl stones that topple big giants, and prophets dare to speak unwelcome words in hostile places. And here at Freedom Church, we believe that we're called to live this adventurous life of faith still today. And next week, um, spoiler alert, Hannah is going to be looking at the challenge. When we hear the call and choose to follow, What does it look like? But this morning, you can go to the next slide, we're going to look at this idea of choice. When we hear the call, we have to make a choice. Tim, tea's ready? That's the call. I'll just keep playing Lego. That's the choice, isn't it? That was me reminiscing. I don't still do that. So adventure is out there. Choice determines whether or not we act on the call. And I love this topic of choice. It's whether you go left or right. It's the blue pill or the red pill moment. You choose what socks to wear, and you choose where to live. And sometimes we even make choices without even realising it, which isn't surprising, really, when the average adult makes 35,000 choices a day, according to Google. (laughs) For me, presumably, that's the day I shop at Waitrose. I mean, seriously, I do not need that many different options of rice. When I shop at Audi that day, you can probably half the number I'd have thought. Just Basmati, that's what it is. But here's the thing. Adventures always start with a choice. Someone who's only recently become my friend told me about a time they were travelling to London on a train to meet some friends they hadn't seen for ages. The train got forced to terminate early at Basingstoke, and a choice has to be made. Turn around and go home, or set out on an adventure to London. This friend's eyes lit up, as she recounted to me the adventure. The people she met, the moments they shared, and that adventure was made in a choice. And I also love this topic of choice, because sometimes choices just mess with our heads. Sometimes the 100% right choice turns out wrong, and sometimes the clearly wrong choice turns out good. You can't always judge how good a choice is by its outcome. For example, just before Christmas, I went to my work Christmas dinner in Southampton. And I drove there because I wasn't intending to drink anything. But inevitably, one thing led to another, and another, and another. And I decided that I shouldn't drive home because I was well over the limit. So I took a bus instead. Sure enough, as the bus was going out at the edge of Southampton, there was a police operation, breathalising drivers. But the police officers looked up, they saw the bus, and they waved us straight through. I got home safely without incident or arrest. Presumably I'd made a great choice, right? Well, the fact that I got home safely is remarkable considering that A, I've never driven a bus before (laughs) and, and, and B, I still can't remember where I found it. I'm joking, but you see what I mean? A choice can't always be judged by its outcome. So let's look at this topic of choice this morning together. But first, why don't we pray? Yeah, Father God, you are a good, good Father, a loving God, and we love you. God, we want to learn from you and from your word this morning. And what we hear from you this morning, we don't want to bounce off us like empty words. But we want it to land in our hearts and be planted so that our lives are different as a result. So God, we pray, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you're saying to each one of us this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, I was inspired by this book recently, To My Sons, Lessons for the Wild Adventure Called Life by Bear Grylls. And in it, Bear distills and pours out practical wisdom to prepare his sons for the game of life. His sons, who I recently discovered have got really crazy names, have you heard them? Huckleberry, Jesse and Marmaduke. (laughs) What is all that about? Anyway, I digress. Um, And so it's got things in it like this, um, smile and laugh. More than is considered normal. I like that. And um, exercise at least every other day. Make it a habit and then you'll shine even brighter. It's good stuff. And um, and even lots of Bible in there as well. Relax. You have no need for the common concerns of life. Remember Isaiah. The Lord will always guide you. So this book got me thinking about what I've been taught about the topic of choice. If I tried to summarise what godly people have shown me, what the Bible says, and my own experiences on this topic of choice. If I summarised it all into some simple wisdom, what would I write? What would you write? What do you want to teach your children or your grandchildren? And as I've reflected on what I've been taught, I've come up with some ideas, but if it's okay, I'd like to test run them past you first, before I start writing my own book. So the first thing I'm planning to write in my book is this. Choose what influences your choices. Be intentional and be deliberate, about what you allow to shape your choices. Remember that often, things other than God are influencing what we think. I mean, think about Noah. When his church was doing the year of adventure, (laughs) God told him to build an absolutely massive boat miles and miles away from any water. Was anyone else telling him to build an ark? I suspect not. And I suspect there was at least one or two people trying to convince Noah that he was completely insane. But he had decided to only let God influence his choices. And this morning we need to do a little bit of myth-busting. When it comes to letting God influence your choices, God is not trying to keep you guessing. i say it again, God is not trying to keep you guessing. God delights in revealing his will to us. The problem is that often God only gets a tiny slice of what I call the influence pie. Let's imagine that you've got a big life decision to make maybe something like a family crisis, or a house move, um, or a job change, how much of the influence do you give to God? This is purely hypothetical, but I'd imagine we're looking at something like 50%. It's probably the influence of our friends and family, isn't it? And even the most well-intentioned, godly friends and family won't always necessarily give the most godly advice. I reckon 25% of what we do for a big decision is probably... What's normal for society? What would everyone else do? You might think someone applies to you, you might not. I reckon 15% is probably about what's easiest. Which choice is going to be most straightforward? And hopefully, maybe 10% of that choice, we let God really influence. And it's probably the same with small decisions in life. If God says to you, cross the street and buy that homeless guy a coffee... We probably think, oh, 50%, what will those strangers I don't know walking past think of me? 25% we probably think, oh, I'm a bit too busy. 15% of that influence is is probably um, thinking that someone else will do it anyway, or we can't really trust that guy with two pounds of our cash. And maybe 10% is, what does God say? I'm speaking to no one other than myself here, I suspect, and I trust that your influence pie looks better than mine. But the reality is this. The voice, the will, and the call of God is so, so easily squeezed out of our decision-making. Sometimes the things we watch, the things we read, and the things we hear influence our decisions more than God does. Are there influences that you need to reduce in your life? What gets most of your time? Prayer or social media? Bible or television? We need to choose to let God influence our choices. And like any choice, we have to keep remaking that decision every morning. God, today, I want to make choices which reflect who you are and what you've done for me. Try praying that every morning. So how can we let God direct our decision-making? Firstly, choose to let God direct your choices through the Bible. Sometimes this beautiful book tells you exactly what to do. That's pretty straightforward. Sometimes people in the Bible show us examples of what to do. And other times the Bible shows us a principle or a heart or an attitude. We should learn to view the Bible like David did in the Psalms. He said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is giving God influence, isn't it? And secondly, we can let God influence our choices through the Holy Spirit. When we learn to sense where God is leading us, we can learn to sense where God is leading us. Jesus said in John 16 but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth the spirit will guide you and often that looks like tuning into when the spirit gives you peace about a choice like in acts 15:28 the disciples confirmed a really difficult choice by saying it felt good to the holy spirit and to us that is giving god influence and thirdly you were never designed to do it alone the best choices i've ever made are the ones i've shared That's why we do church. That's why we do connect groups. Because when it comes to making tough choices, God wants you to journey with godly people. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Who do you go to for advice? And more importantly, who comes to you for advice? Because that's how this community should function. And whilst we're thinking about how God directs our choices... If you're here today because this whole Christianity thing is new to you, let's be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you're thinking that with the Bible and with the Spirit and with each other to influence our choices, there must be no grey areas left and we must always get it right. Well, ask anyone who's been on this journey for longer than you and they'll tell you that there are grey areas and we don't always get it right. But over time we learn to embrace the grey areas because we trust that they're drawing us closer to God and getting it right is often hard. In fact, Jesus said the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. We're not promising that it'll be easy, but Hannah's going to talk about that more next week. But no matter how hard it is, it's incredible that you never have to do it alone. And it's only right here that we remind ourselves about one risk. You are able to manipulate God's voice in your life. For example, my colleague um, is doing New Year, New Me. Is anyone else doing New Year, New Me? It's January, it's a new start. She's doing a diet. No naughty food, not a crumb of bad food shall pass her lips. Uh, you know, the sort of thing, more carrot sticks and hummus and lentils and pulses than you can imagine. And the first couple of weeks of this term went really well. And then last Thursday, she walked into the office, which I... With what I can only describe as the biggest, shiniest, most calorific Belgian bun you've ever seen. And then she walked in, I went, whoa, what about the diet? And she said, well, Tim, I was driving past a bakery in town, and I saw these ginormous Belgian buns, and I just really wanted one. And so I prayed. I'm nodding, like, that's a good idea. Prayer's always good, yeah? And I prayed, and I said, God, if you want me to eat one of those Belgian buns... Let there be a space outside the bakery. <laughs> and she paused. And she leant forward and she started almost whispering as if she was telling me a secret. And she said, and Tim, would you believe it? On my eighth time around the one-way system, <laughs> there was a space. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Tried to manipulate God's voice? The thing is, you'll know when you're doing it. And you'll know when someone else is doing it too. So there you have it, the first principle I'm planning to add to my book. Choose what influences your choices. Second principle, make choices that reflect your hopes, not your fears. Fear has an incredible ability to force us into making bad choices. We're going to explore this by briefly looking at some pivotal moments in the life of Abraham, later called Abraham, and if you want to join me, then head towards Genesis. He made some incredible godly choices. Like Sim said two weeks ago in Genesis 12 verse 2, God calls Abraham to leave his country, his people and his father's household and go to a new land. That is one call to adventure, isn't it? And verse 4, Abraham left as the Lord had told him. That is a really godly choice. Flick to chapter 15 verse 4, and despite the fact that he had no son and he was well old, Abraham chose to believe God when he promised as many descendants as there are stars. Again, a really great godly choice. And flick to chapter 22. This is probably the epitome of Abraham's great choice making. He now has this precious, treasured son. And God asks him to sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering. You know the story. In obedience, Abraham does everything God asks of him. That's a really difficult but godly choice. All through his life, Abraham kept making godly choices. Surely he never made any bad choices. (laughs) Some of you are laughing. Well, flick back to chapter 12, verse 10. You'd find Abraham in a land where there's famine. And so he decides to head to Egypt with his very beautiful wife, Sarai, to find food. As a quick footnote here, have you ever noticed that Abraham doesn't completely lose the plot? God called him away from his homeland and his father's household into a new place, and he's ended up somewhere where there's famine. What's that about, God? But like we said earlier, you can't always judge how good a choice is by its outcome. And so whilst in Egypt, Abraham makes a poor choice. Acting out of fear, Abraham tells Sarai, his wife, to pretend to be his sister. And when they get exposed, they get kicked out of Egypt. That wasn't a godly choice, It was acting out of fear. And look at chapter 16, verse 4. Desperate for the promised son, acting out of fear, Abraham sleeps with his wife's servant in order to guarantee himself a descendant. That wasn't a godly choice. It was acting out of fear. If Abraham, one of the most godly men to have ever walked the earth, if even he made bad choices when he made choices out of fear, surely we need to sit up and take notice. We cannot make godly choices out of fear. If you make a choice out of fear, it will always be the smallest, safest, least life-giving, lowest possible choice. In John chapter 14, Jesus promises, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. and Do not be afraid. You do not need to be afraid. You weren't meant to live in fear. So this week, when God calls you to do something adventurous for him, don't let fear paralyse you. Instead, embrace the promise of Jesus to give you peace. There's the first two things I'm going to write in my book. The third final nugget of wisdom that I've picked up from godly people, which I plan to also put in this book, is this. Practice surrender through timely obedience. Maybe right now you haven't got any big choices looming on the horizon. Maybe you haven't felt a really specific call to act yet. If that's you, then put the practice in now. Build the habit so that when you hear the call, you're ready to make a great choice. If God calls you to step out into adventure in any kind of big way this year, you are so much more likely to embrace the adventurous choice if you've already created a habit of timely obedience, a habit of surrender. And people get the wrong idea of surrender. Surrender, it's not weakness, it's wisdom. Jeremiah ten twenty-three shows us the heart of surrender. He says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. If we all prayed that verse every morning this year, it could be brilliantly dangerous. We need to surrender the busyness of our daily routine to give God permission to invade. Because is it just me or have we all got quite good at talking ourselves out of doing stuff? When God gives us an impression or a sense that we should do something, we respond shaking our heads saying, why? Instead of nodding our heads saying, why not? A year ago now, um, I popped into Andover Asda on my way home from work to pick up some food. And in the foyer, I saw at the bottom of the escalator, a homeless guy. And um, Did I feel that God said to me, buy him some food? No, not really. Um, But I read the Bible, and I know that it says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And it says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble, then your light will shine in the darkness. So I went over and I asked him if I could get him anything to eat, and all he wanted was a meal deal. Result, that's quite straightforward. So I did my shop, um, and as you can probably imagine by now, I got completely bamboozled by the vast array of rice, And somehow in that mayhem, I completely forgot to buy him any food. Fortunately, I remembered this just as I was driving out of the car park. Unfortunately, I talked myself out of going back before I got to the first roundabout. Any of you who've been to Asda Asda in Andover will know that's only about 50 metres I talked myself out of it and I continued driving up onto the edge of Andover. And I crossed the 303 and I pulled over in a labour. And I just thought, oh, I've got to go back and buy him some food. But no longer had I thought, sort of no quicker had I thought that than I'd rationalised it away. Oh, he won't be there anymore. Someone else would have bought him the food. He's probably not even homeless. We've all thought it. And so I kept going. And the result was this. Oh, hi, Maddie." Yeah, um, I'm just in Stockbridge, so I'm about a quarter of an hour away, but I'm going to go back to Andover, buy a homeless guy a meal deal he probably doesn't even want anymore, and then come back, so I'll be home in about an hour. Hope that's okay. I felt like a dork. And, um, and I went back, and I, he looked pretty surprised when he saw me walking back in, and he looked surprised when I explained that I'd come back because I'd forgotten to buy him a meal deal. And he got his meal deal. And um, I don't know if that had any impact on him or not, or whether God was just using that situation to teach me a lesson. But I do know that I don't want to make those same choices again. You see, surrendering to God is not weakness, it's wisdom. And so we shouldn't confuse obedience with inconvenience. So there you have it. Those are the three things that I plan to start my book with. Choose what influences your choices. Make choices that reflect your hopes and practice surrender. And I haven't started writing them in yet because I want your feedback first. And so here's where I want us to finish and it would be great if the band could come up and start playing. Because these three principles, they're not academic. They're not a paper-pushing exercise. They're principles for us, for now. For us as a whole church and for us as a group of individuals. If this year God calls us as a whole church family into something outrageously adventurous, we need to make sure that we only listen to his voice. We need to make sure that we make the most hope-filled, life-giving choice. And we need to surrender to God and act with timely obedience. And it's the same for each of us individually. If God calls us to give away more money this year than ever before, if God calls you to cross the street and take a homeless guy for coffee, If God calls you to befriend your neighbour and to start investing in their life. This year, when God calls you, make this the year where you give God all the influence. The moment you have the guts to act out of hope. The moment where you show timely obedience. This is our moment and God is calling us into adventure. You have to choose whether or not to go for the challenge. And so I want us to finish now uh, by taking a moment to really apply these principles to our life. And as we do this, just let God nudge your heart right now. Some questions will appear on the screen. Do you need to allow God more influence in the choices that you're making? Is fear influencing your choice making? Where do you know that you need to be obedient even though it's going to be tough? Because here's the crux God is calling you into an adventurous f- faith. And as He calls you, what choice are you going to make? We'll leave those questions on the screen for a minute as the band starts to play. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.